Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. question of the morning. Where will you go when you die? Have you ever thought about that? I'm sure we have. Uh, I have. Even, even after I've accepted Christ as my Savior, I, where am I going to go? Am I sure where I'm going to go? We, we need to work that out as a Christian. The world's full of people who believe they will go to heaven. And tragically, churches are full of people who believe they're going to heaven. The truth is, heaven is one of two possible places people go when they die. The other place many people go when they die, of course, is hell. And it is a literal place. Jesus preached on it numerous times. The stark reality of our day is hell is not a popular subject. We don't like to talk about it. We like to come to church. We like to hear about positive things like Convoy of Hope. We like to hear the preacher tell jokes and stuff. It's fun. It's funny. And I believe church should be fun. We should enjoy coming to church. But we should hear about those things that we need to avoid. And those things aren't good. And one of those subjects is hell. It demands our attention. Reason being, because if we've got our salvation worked out, if I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, which we all should, that we're going to make heaven our home, we should know that there are people in our lives that are not. Whether it's family, friends, people you don't even know that you come in contact every day, maybe at work and so on. They don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. If they die in that state, if they pass on, if their heart stops beating and they bury them in the ground without knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, guess what? You can sugarcoat it all you want. You can try to sugarcoat it. They are going to hell. Wow, Pastor, that's deep. Yes, it is. And it's important that we save as many people from that as we possibly can. What Jesus, what Jesus come for? To seek and to save that which was lost. That save part, He's saving us from burning in hell. Now I'm saying these words, hell and burning in hell, because you need to know that. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it this morning, this morning. If I step on toes, I apologize right now. Okay, But it's important that we know these things. It's important that you walk out of here knowing that people are going to hell. It's a subject rarely discussed. And that's a shame that we don't talk about it to people because those are real consequences. Hell is a reality. You know, when Jesus uh, died on the cross and they buried Him, you know, He descended into hell. He He took the keys to the bottomless pit. Hell is a real place. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, if you've got the electronic Bible. I know I have electronic on my phone. Some people have their their iPods and so on. Or if you have an actual Bible, turn there to Matthew 25, 45. Book of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 45. This is Jesus talking. It says, Then He will answer them, I assure you, 
Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me either. And this last part is what I want to talk about. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now this is talking about heaven and hell. Eternal punishment is hell, and eternal life is heaven. Living with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. For me, for my family, for my friends, for my family. When I say family, I mean you as well as my immediate family. I want that we all should go to heaven. That's what, that's what God wants. That's what Jesus wants. That's why, they, that's why God put into place the things. That's why God sent His only Son to die on a cross for us. That we would accept what His sacrifice on the cross so we wouldn't wind up in hell. That verse, as we read it, they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We all like that part, don't we? Eternal life. When I, when I, when I wrote that out, I thought of Homer Simpson sitting there, mmm, life. Life. We all want life. We all want to live forever. Let me tell you, everybody on this earth, past, present, and future, will live forever just a matter of where you're going to live. Those that have accepted Christ as their Savior and live according to His, what He's laid out for us will live forever in heaven. Those that have not, those that have rejected Christ will live forever in eternal punishment. What about those words, eternal punishment? I can remember a time sitting around a campfire and looking into the fire after the fires burned down and those coals, those coals are there. And if you look deep into the coals, way down in there, it's just pitch black. That's what hell's going to be like. It's going to be so hot, it's going to be just utter darkness. But the Bible describes it as, where there be gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not, you'll live forever in total agony. That, that's a reality that people don't like and they want to dismiss it. They don't like to think about it. I mean, who wants to think about it? Some people want to think about, oh, I'm going out Friday night, I'm going to party it up, so on, whatever. They're going to live their life the way they want to without God, without Jesus. They don't want to think about that there's consequences to their actions. Say, I'm born again. I, I know without a shadow of a doubt I'm going to heaven. But I don't like to think about those consequences. Why don't I like to think about those consequences? Because I know people that are dying and going to hell. We're going to begin by looking at what the world thinks and what the majority of churches teach about reality in hell. Now, if a church preaches God's Word, they're, they're preaching it right. They're, pre they're preaching hell. But some don't. Some want that feel-good, tell me I'm a great person, that I'm going to be rich, tell me whatever I want to hear type churches out there. But we look at the Word of God and what it tells us about hell. And our view of hell shapes the way we live and interact with others. The world has many false notions regarding hell. Here's a few that our pop culture, how they view it right now, and some of the things that you hear around. Here's some common misconceptions. A loving God would never send people to a horrible place like that. You are exactly right. 
But your actions will send you to a place like that. Your denying Christ and what He did on the cross will send you a place like that. God, God has laid it out. He does not desire you to end up in a place like that. He wants that you will believe on His Son and what was done on Calvary and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. That's what He would like. That's what He wants. He made a way out. But there comes a time in our lives where we have to make a choice. We have to decide that we're going to follow Christ. And you know what? We think because we didn't decide to follow Christ, or maybe we don't think that, I don't know, but possibly by not following Christ, we have made a decision to follow Satan. And that's the truth of the matter. There, there, there's no gray area. It's black and white. You either follow Christ or you follow Satan. I don't think I'll go to hell because I'm a pretty good person. I believe I'll go to heaven. Hey, I know for a fact, my dad was the best man I've ever known in my life. I never heard him say a cuss word. I never, he never raised his voice. He was just a gentle kind person. I know for a fact he accepted Christ as his Savior. My point is, is if my dad had not accepted Christ as his Savior, being the best dad person ever, he would have still wound up in hell. The only thing that keeps us out of hell is our saving knowledge and believing in Jesus Christ. Here's some quotes from famous people. I'm not famous. You may not believe me. Here's, here's what some of the fame... Bonnie Raitt, country western singer, I guess pop singer anyway. She says, religion is for people who are scared to go to hell. Spirituality is for people who have already been there. Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens. By a side note, I went to high school with his great-grandson. Mark Twain says, I don't like to commit myself about heaven or hell. I have friends in both places. People are so cavalier about it. Katy Perry. We all know Katy Perry, right? We hear her on the radio. Her dad's, a, her dad's a preacher. She grew up in church. She says, I don't believe in a heaven or a hell or an old man sitting on a throne. I believe in a higher power bigger than me because that keeps me accountable. Mm. We've all, if you listen to rock and roll, you've heard ACDC, the song Highway to Hell. Here's part of the lyrics it says, Going down, party time. My friends are going to be there. I'm on the highway to hell. Highway to hell. They're, they're singing like they're proud of this. Those are just a few. People have all kinds of notions about hell. And they're so cavalier about it. They joke about it. Yeah, my friends are going to be there. I'm going, we're going to have a big party. No, you ain't. It's not a party. But they joke about it. They, they, they're flip. Flippant? Is that the word we, I can use? Flippant about it. They, they, because they don't want to think about the true consequences of it. It releases them. Katy Perry said she wanted, to be, she wanted that to keep her accountable. No, I think it's just the opposite. She doesn't want to be accountable. You know, I've always said throughout my life, my adult life anyway, I do what I want when I want. Which is true. We all do. But you have to suffer the consequences of your actions. 
We've seen the cartoons of the little devil in his bright red tights and his pitchfork. And he's always trying to get the other cartoon character to get back to work or whatever. It's another life. Chris and I were talking this morning about thrill of watching movies, thrillers and, and, and so on, and scary movies about demons and stuff like that and how it gets you used to that. It desensitizes you to that kind of stuff. I think, I think we as, as a society today, me included, I watch, all, I watch movies. I love movies. If you're ever around us, you know 90% of what comes out of my family's mouth are movie quotes. Okay? <laughs> okay? We love movies. But, but on that note, and, and I can almost identify with a lot of churches that don't want their congregations and their children to go to movies because it desensitizes us to those things. You know, you, you, you watch a scary movie, and to us, we watch it on TV, it's just a scary movie, and we see these demons and so on. The demonic world is real. There's, there's another world out there. We, 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 we're all happy, and we sit in our, in our houses or whatever, we go about our lives, but do you, there is a spirit world out there, and, and it is, there's a war going on. It's real. Those things we see on TV, we think, oh, that's just movies. That, that, that's some awesome, awesome graphics there. Guys, they can paint it up however they want. It's still real. And we need to think about that. We need to take that kind of stuff seriously. We need to, as Christians, we need to start thinking differently about what we put in our minds. Because just like I'm sure you've heard before, garbage in, garbage out. We need to be careful about what we watch on TV and how we, how we think about it, how we feel about it because it is a real world out there. That's that spirit world I'm talking about. Some churches teach and offer ways to avoid or dismiss the possibility of hell altogether. The Roman Catholic Church teaches about that a sinful life can be remedied in a place called purgatory. That you can go to purgatory and you can wait it out and you can be good in purgatory and if you're ever good enough, you can go on to heaven. And there's other beliefs along those same lines from other denominations. Some denominations believe that there is no hell, that, that basically we live in the, in the hell we're going to live in, but that we will all eventually wind up in heaven. I'm telling you, it's not true. Believe on Jesus Christ and what He did on Calvary. Believe that you are a sinful being. We're all sinful. Ask forgiveness and make heaven your home. Or reject Christ and what He did on Calvary and what God has laid out for us, a way out. And you live forever in hell. By the way, purgatory is never mentioned in God's Word. This false teaching is deceiving so many people by offering an alternative atonement for sin. The only way your sins are forgiven is to get down on your knees and ask a loving God to forgive you of your sins. That's it. Jesus spoke about hell and eternal punishment over 40 times in the Gospels. 40 times. I think if, if somebody speaks on something over 40 times, it's important, especially when it's our Lord and Savior. 
We need to we need to wake up as Christians and start thinking about this. You know, I read a lot about the end times and and Jesus coming back, and and there's a lot of beliefs out there on that. But there's so many people that I know that don't know Christ as their Savior. And you know what I know? What else I know? I know that they're going to wind up in a devil's hell. Maybe it's because hell isn't popular. It's not the feel-good message we want to we want to hear. We all like that feel-good message. I, I want to. I want my pastor to stand up here and tell me I'm doing everything right. Even in when I know in the back of my mind I'm not doing everything right. We all want to hear those feel-good messages. And I think we should hear them from time to time. But we need to hear the hard stuff as well. Because if we're going to be well-rounded Christians and we're going to be able to, to talk to our friends and family and witness to them and tell them the truth, we need to know the truth. Let me say this. If you're one of our honored guests here this morning at Victory Church, we stand on the Word of God here. And if you've been going here for a while and you didn't even realize this, we preach God's Word. Jesus crucified, buried, and risen again. And if, if a church teaches any other notion than that, that flies in the face of Jesus and the early church and what the saints coming up through history have taught. This message of judgment, hell, repentance, atonement may not fill the largest section in the Christian bookstore or fill the largest churches. But this message is what matters for eternity. Churches, fellowships, many others are, are ignoring subjects of eternal significance, focusing on seeker-sensitive messages. Seeker-sensitive messages. I'm all for seeker-sensitive. We're, we're to reach out and try to bring those in that don't know Christ as their Savior. It's important that we seek out those. But when we, when we leave out the meat of God's Word and those, these important things such as hell, and there's so many other important subjects that could be preached on as well, then we're doing those that have uh, stepped in that door back there a disservice because we're not preaching the whole counsel of God's Word. Victory Church and other churches, church in general, is not supposed to be a life enrichment center in the sense that we just preach what people want to hear. We're not to just tickle people's ears. We're to, we're to, we're to get a hold of those hard subjects and we're to tell people the truth about, hey, if, you, if, if you're not for Jesus, you're against Jesus. People need to hear that. It's, as a young Christian growing up as a Christian, I always thought I had to minister to somebody. I had to, had to, to come to church and, and I had to lead them from here to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I felt like a failure if I hadn't. But you know what? We're not required. That's, that's God. That's Jesus' job. That's God's job to save them. We're just supposed to tell them the good news. That's it. That's all that's required of you. 
We get so caught up in the whole, i gotta, I got to teach them the whole Bible, or I'm a failure as a, as an as a van, from an evangelistic standpoint, you know. I've got to tell them everything. No, you don't. You tell them the good news. You tell them the truth of it. It's up to them whether they believe. It's their choice, just like it was your choice. And it's a sad day when they reject the message that you've, you, you've given to them. But you know what? You try again later. And, I, and I, I've heard stories of, of people that just kept, kept at it, kept at it. And eventually the person that they were witnessing to accepted Christ as their Savior. And then there was those times when they didn't. But you know what? God's Word tells us if they rejected enough, that we're to wipe our feet and press on. How many millions of people have rejected or haven't even heard the gospel yet? Now, I know in, in today's world with, with social media and TV and, and so on, many, many, many people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. But God, you, you know why Jesus hasn't come yet? You know, you know why the rapture hasn't happened? And that's a whole other sermon series right there. Because God's patient. He's long-suffering. Because there's somebody out there that is going to accept Christ as their Savior that hasn't done it yet. And it's important that we stay about God's business in trying to reach the lost. That's why we're here. If, if, if it wasn't our job to reach the lost, guess what? When we accepted Christ as our Savior, God would take us to heaven. But we have a job to do as Christians. As born-again believers, we have a job to do, and that's reach those that don't know Christ as their Savior. Here's what some teachers and evangelists from the past have said about the importance of teaching about hell. And I'm talking God's judgment our hopeless state without Jesus, and of course repentance. John Wesley said, I desire to have both heaven and hell ever in my eye while I stand on this, his word, isthmus of life between two boundless oceans. He wanted, he wanted heaven and hell right there so he could see it. Charles Spurgeon said, If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. Jonathan Edwards, unconverted men walk over the pit of hell on a rotten covering. A.W. Tozer, the vague and tenuous hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly opiate for the conscience of millions. If you die and stand before God, without knowing His Son as your personal Savior, these words you will hear, Depart from me, I never knew you. Thankfully, some churches of our day still preach on hell and these, these, these subjects. And it's important that, that we do and that we continue to. It's an unpleasant subject. 
The message of understanding our sin is an affront to a holy God and His righteous judgment. We need to understand the type of people we are and what a good, gracious God we have before us. Because it's that message that produces godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Now, do you know what you aware of repentance is? And I don't want to talk down to you in that, but repentance is, is turning from your sin. And I, it, here's how I thought about it. You know, if I, and I, I felt like a failure as a Christian sometimes because repentance is turning from your sin. Well, if I turn from my sin, it means I don't sin anymore. But I just sin. You see what I'm saying? It's a continuous, a continual repentance. Every night I lay down in bed, I go to my Lord in prayer, and I ask forgiveness for those sins I committed that day. And you know what? Lord, forgive me for whatever I did. Forgive me for doing it again and again and again. But that's, that forgiveness is there. That forgiveness is there, but we have to ask for it. We have to continually ask for it and repent of it. Marriage seminars, youth rallies, men conferences, they're awesome. I've been to my share of them, and they can be a blast. But our primary task is to preach the gospel. Because without the gospel and without this, all we've been doing is engaging in temporary behavior modification. A.W. Tozer summed it up, uh, the eternal tragedy of the religious experience without repentance. He said, It is my opinion that tens of thousands of people, if not millions, have been brought into some kind of religious experience by accepting Christ. And they have not been saved. That's why God's Word tells us to work out our own salvation. We need to make sure that when we accepted Christ as our Savior, we were sincere about it, that we did it. Because here's what I don't want. I don't want you to think that uh, I can't went to victory. That was an awesome experience. Here's the, here's the thing, and a pastor would say this as well. He wants radically transformed lives. If you're coming here on Sunday morning, you're listening to the message, and you feel good when you walk out those doors, but your life is still... You don't think on this again till next Sunday. You might just be having a religious experience. Now, I'm not here to judge anybody's life. I'm just here to preach God's Word. This is something for you to think about. If you don't think about God or, or things of God or, or your Christian life and how you're living your life throughout the week, but just on Sundays, you might be just having a spiritual experience on Sunday morning and not be where you truly need to be spiritually with Christ. And it would be awesome if we could all have a private audience with pastor or, or your, your small group leader or somebody that you look up to spiritually and that we were all transparent enough I feel like I'm spitting everywhere, I'm sorry. But all transparent enough to sit down and lay out our 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 struggles, our sins, and so on, and somebody could walk us through this so we would know, but, but we don't. We don't do that. We don't, we don't have that accountability partner that we're 110% truthful with. 
You want to know why that is? Because our lives, at times, well, this is a plain fact, our hearts are vile. We're vile, wicked, evil people saved by grace. And I don't want anybody to know those thoughts that creep into my mind. I don't want anybody to know those things I might get caught up in or that time that I, I tripped and fell as a Christian. I, I stumbled as a Christian. I don't want people to know that. I want people to, I want people to think of me as, as Pat, there's Pastor John with an H. And, and, and he, he's a good guy and he's a good Christian. We all deal with those things as Christians. And as we deal with those things, we have to deal with those things. And when I say that, I mean, if, if, we're, if we st- trip and stumble and fall as a Christian and we're in sin, we need to deal with that. We need to go before our holy, just God and ask forgiveness. And forgiveness is there. And then we have to forgive ourselves and not live in the guilt of it. I'm getting way off. I apologize. But this is good stuff, and we need to know it. I've known pillar of the community, salt of the earth types, both inside and outside of church. And these are the folks others speak of. Uh, they give you the shirt off their back. Fact is, even our best works and efforts are spoiled without Jesus Christ. We're lost for eternity without Him. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says, All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. Romans 3:10 through 12 says, "As it is written, there is no, no one righteous, not even one." We sit here this morning. We're born again. We have Jesus in our hearts. We're not righteous. That doesn't. We carry His righteousness. Let me finish. There's no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become useless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. I've heard stories of people who accept Christ as their Savior and think that they are sinless. How far from the truth that is. Just because we accept Christ as our Savior doesn't mean we're sinless. It means we are forgiven of our sins, past, present, and future. The world needs to hear about the love of Jesus, His grace, His mercy, and His gentleness. The world needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But your words are going to, or yeah, your words are going to fall on deaf ears if they aren't taught in the light of His holiness, His glory, and His coming judgment. We all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, We will all be judged for our actions. When you stand before Christ on that day, He's going to look at you when you stand before God. He's going to look at you. He's either going to see Jesus or He's going to not see Jesus. It's up to you. It's up to you. To work that out. But luckily, you don't have to do that alone. You have a, well, you have pastors, you have church leadership, you have 
friends, look to your right or the left. There's somebody there that will answer a question, that will hug your neck, that will walk you through if you need walk through the Bible or, or the salvation prayer. There's somebody in this church that will help you do that. Somebody may not feel comfortable coming up to me, but you might feel comfortable going up to your best friend or vice Whatever the case may be, there's somebody there at Victory Church to help you with that. And it's important that we work all that stuff out. Hell is a sad, eternal reality for those who remain unrepentant. Oh yeah, yeah, I know about hell. I'll go there. It's just going to be a party. All my friends are there. How mistaken people are. In light of this, let's see what the Bible says about the reality of hell. Revelation 21.8 says, But the cowards, unbelievers, vile murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Matthew 13, verses 49 and 50 says, this is Jesus' thought, it says, So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will go out, separate the evil people from the righteous, and throw them into the blazing furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says, Taking vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Matthew 13.41 The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather from His kingdom everything that causes sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace there where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25, 41. Then He will say to those on the left, Depart from Me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It's black and white, folks. You have Jesus or you don't have Jesus. Most Bible teachers agree hell is a real place of eternal conscious torment. You're going to be conscious. You're not just going to be thrown in a lake of fire and die and that's it. You will be alive forever. You ever grab something hot on the stove and it burnt the daylights out of you? Think about that. And you live forever. Have you ever just sat in the quiet of the moment and thought about eternity? And how long eternity is. Eternity is a long time. As Christians, we must warn people about hell. Yeah, we need to tell them about heaven, how great and awesome it is. Because it is. And I look forward to it. And this, this is another thing we should preach on too, is heaven and how awesome it is. But we need to warn people that there is a hell that is possible. In Ray Comfort's book, God Has a Wonderful Plan for Your Life, he describes the fallacy of having people accept Christ. Throughout the book, he drives home the point, we are churning out false converts if people don't see their sin as an offense before a holy God and come to repentance. We can't accept God as our Savior and still live the life that we're living before we've accepted Christ as our Savior. There has to be a change. Now, I'm not happy sometimes with the change or as slow as the change is taking place in my life. But you've seen those pictures of the little kid that says, be patient, God's not finished with me yet. Be patient, God is not finished with you yet. 
You are, we are all works in progress. There's a quote in that book from D.L. Moody regarding godly sorrow and conviction. D.L. Moody's quote is, It is a great mistake to give a man who has not been convicted of sin certain passage, passages that were not meant for him. The law is what he needs. Do not offer the consolation of the gospel until he sees and knows he is guilty before God. We must give enough of the law to take away all self-righteousness. I pity the man who preaches only one side of the truth, always the gospel, never the law. When we hear the gospel, we accept Christ as our Savior. Guess what? There's certain rules in God's Word that we're to follow, we're to live by. We don't just continue living the life we were before and saying, all right, everything's good, I'm going to heaven. It's not up to me to question anything, but personally inside, I would question somebody that just accepted Christ and then continued to live. Now, I know we all trip and stumble as Christians and we sin here, sin there, and there's forgiveness for that. But if your life has not changed after accepting Christ as your Savior, you seriously need to evaluate what you've done. I apologize if I'm going a little long, but this is, this is important, very important stuff. So how does the reality of hell and eternity affect the way we live today? Now, I don't live in fear of hell. I live in expect, expectancy of heaven. Miss Terry had a dream a long time ago. This was years ago. She told about this dream where she was just walking along and all of a sudden she was started going up in the air because the rapture had happened or whatever. I think of that. I often think about, oh, what if, what if I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden the rapture happens and boom, I wonder where my truck's going to go. Yeah, I just think about these things. I'm sorry. But what I'm saying is I live in expectancy of heaven. I don't live in fear of hell. Hell is a possible place. Hell is a real place, a possible place that people will go if they don't accept Christ. I don't, I don't focus on that. But I'm here to tell you it is real, and I'm here to warn you about it. And, and if, you, if you live in expectancy of heaven, I know there's people in your life you need to warn about it. Many people wonder how a loving God could send people to hell. In Matthew 25, 41, our, our main verse there, that section that says eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I highlighted that fact because God never, ever intended hell to be for us. Hell is intended for Satan and, and the, uh, the Antichrist and, and all their angels and their followers and their minions. That's what hell's made for. And I say this, because it's true, people freely choose to go to hell by remaining unrepentant and rejecting the salvation that only, only Jesus offers. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay His promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. We want to, well, why does God, why does God just leave? This world is getting so nasty and evil and why is God letting it happen? Like I said earlier, there's somebody that is going to accept 
Jesus as their Savior. And God, God's patient that way. But I'm telling you, there is one person who is going... I don't know who it is, if they're even born yet. I don't know. But there is one person who is going to be the last person to accept Christ as their Savior. I don't know who that is. I don't know when it's going to happen. But that, that, that time is coming. That person one day will accept Christ as their Savior. And Jesus can say, okay, come up here. I don't know when it's going to happen. Like I said, that's a, that's a subject for another sermon, but it's going to happen. <laughs> Romans 5.8 says, God, But God proves His own love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died 2,000 years ago. I wasn't even born. My, my great-great-great-grandparents weren't even born when Christ died for my sins. When you, accept, when you accept Christ, your Savior's sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Because they were all future when Christ died for them. So why does the reality of hell matter? It matters a great deal because unsaved people need to know the eternal danger they're in. If, if, if you were walking down the road and there was a big hole in the road and somebody's walking next to you, would you not warn them about this big hole? Okay? If, if I'm driving down Route 64 and, there's, and I run into traffic and I know somebody's coming behind me, I've made a telephone, hey, don't come this way, there's traffic. We warn people about the, some of the most trivial things, but we won't warn people about hell and living there, being there for eternity. Something is wrong with us as Christians. We need to change our whole way of thinking as Christians. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy we're all here today. I'm happy the life I have. I'm happy my sins are forgiven. I'm, heaven's my home. But we've got to quit living there and we've got to start stepping out and letting people know this. It may be easier to tell someone about your church, your great youth group, or just try to win them through a relationship. But those things are all good. But over the years, people are becoming less responsive to these methods. People, people want to come to church and have that religious experience, but they, won't, they don't want to live it the rest of the week. We have, we have to present the reality of an eternity away from God and what that, what that is, what that means. It's not an easy message to share with people, but it's the only message that will matter to them a hundred years from now. My dad used to always say this. Something would happen, you know, of course it would just totally shatter my world, or, or something would happen with my sister and shatter her world, and my dad would say, what's it going to matter in a hundred years? Yeah. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't make the basketball team in high school. What's it going to matter in a hundred years? I didn't, I didn't get accepted for this. What's it going to matter in a hundred years? You don't accept Christ as your personal Savior. It's going to matter in a hundred years. It's going to matter in a million years. It's kind of hard to get your mind around when you're talking about eternity. But that's the truth of it. The reality of hell has everything to do with Bible prophecy because whether Jesus returns in our lifetime or not, we're going to meet Him either as our Savior or as our Judge. If the, if the band wants to come up, I'm, I'm winding down. And 
Some religious people accuse Christians of teaching an antiquated fire and brimstone message regarding hell. Yes. Ooh, that's too scary. Yes. It's a loving thing to warn people about God's coming judgment and salvation through His Son on the cross. Heaven, hell, and their long reality of eternity is a sobering prospect for people when they're finally told the truth. Jesus is coming soon. If you study Bible prophecy at all, Jesus is coming very soon. Now, I know they've been saying that since Jesus died on the cross. But you look at the signs of the times and, and, and how they line up with Bible prophecy. It's right around the corner. For those that die today, eternity is instant. Their, their fate, if you will, is sealed. Those that die without Christ have sealed their fate and will live in hell forever. After, after your heart stops beating, you start breathing, you die, there is, there is no other choice to make. You've made your choice. The idea is to make that choice on this side of the grave. Brother Earl, always, how you doing, brother? I woke up on this side of the dirt. It's, it's important that you make this choice on this side of the dirt. If you're a Christian, engage people with a renewed excitement about Christ. Warn them. Let them know what's in store for them if they reject God. You think, why? I can never. You better. You better come up with a way. Christ laid that out for us. That's our job is to let people know. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as it is appointed for people to die once, after this, the judgment. It's important what we do this side of eternity. Because what you do, what each and every one of us do as born-again believers this side of eternity will affect someone you love, maybe a relative, a friend, on the other side of eternity. If you're sitting here this morning and don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, beg you, I plead with you to accept Him this morning. That right there has eternal consequences. Because if you accept Christ as your Savior this morning, you will be His for eternity. Why? Well, I, I could never live up to His standards. That's a good thing about it. Nobody can live up to His standards. I'm not going to say that's a good thing, but have to take that first step. I made the statement earlier about oh, be patient, God's not finished with me yet. We are all works in progress. But you have to take that first step. You have to accept Christ as your Savior. From there, going nowhere but up. No, does it make life on this on this side of eternity better? No, not necessarily. There's people who accept Christ as their Savior that are living on the street. You drive by them in St. Louis. They're living in sleeping bags and in tents in the park. No guarantee that this life here is going to be better. But I guarantee you, life on, this, on the other side of this life will be. 
going to ask everybody to bow their head, close their eyes. Seriously, nobody looking around. The importance of accepting Christ today, if you haven't already, like I said, we'll, we'll have repercussions far into eternity as well as rejecting Christ and not accepting Him today. And I say that not to put pressure on anybody, but when you pull out of this parking lot to go to lunch, do you have any guarantee that you're going to make it to the restaurant? See, the thing is, God, God's Word says our life is but a, but a vapor. We're here for, a, for a, a small amount of time and then we're gone. Truth is, nobody knows that time or day that their number is up. Why would, you, why would anybody play Russian roulette with the salvation of Jesus Christ and say, well, I'll do it next Sunday. I'll do it tomorrow. Wait, I want to speak to somebody first before I actually make that decision. It's an important decision. I, like I said earlier, I, I beg you to make it today. It's not one to be made lightly, of course, but it's an important decision that, that we need to deal with. I'm going to pray here and I'm going to say some words. It, it doesn't have to be theological. You don't, we have an altar up here. If you, if you feel you need to come and get on your knees and pray, that, it's here. If, if you want to sit right there in your seat with your head bowed, your eyes closed, and say the prayer. That works too. The important thing is that you say the prayer. The sinner's prayer. It does, Like I said, it doesn't have to be theological, but it does need to contain some things, and you need to be sincere about it. It needs to go like this. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner. Lord, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, lead and guide my life as I place my life in your hands. It could be those words. It could be a variation of those words. But you have to believe them. If you're sitting here and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you've been a Christian a week, years, and you're not, you're living the Christian experience but not living a Christian life, you need to start living that life today. You need to live that life tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not only Sunday. prayer you could say right now. Lord, forgive me for not giving you 100% of my life. Forgive me for not living the way that you wanted me to, that you've laid out in your word.
Lord, help me focus. Help me to be a better Christian. Help me to walk the walk as I talk the talk. It's so important that we do business with Christ this morning. I'm going to finish praying here, and then you're all going to stand, and we're going to sing and be dismissed. As I said, the decisions you make this morning will have repercussions into eternity. There's nobody that can make the decision for you. You have to make the decision yourself. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the honor to be in your house this morning, Lord. I just pray that hearts were touched and minds were open. Lord, I pray decisions were made, Lord. You know the decisions that were made here this morning, Lord. I pray that you would uh, speak into people's hearts about the decisions they made. Lord, as they give you their lives, Lord, I just pray that you would lead and guide them. Just pray that you continue to be with Victory Church as we uh, do our best to disciple and, and help lead and guide them. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for all your many blessings. pray as we leave this uh, leave this morning you would go with us keep your hand upon us and as I pray every morning with my wife help us to be better today than we were yesterday help us to move towards you versus away from you we love you and we pray in Jesus name Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.